We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here. The old man Andreas Hell is still at home, but joining us on the show, hopefully feeling a little better. He's going to shake out the cobwebs. Don't worry, he'll be back in studio next week. But today, we're talking MMA. We already have our WrestleMania recap show out. Make sure you guys check that. But today is all about UFC 287 from Miami going down this weekend. A very highly anticipated rematch in the UFC that we will talk about at the top of that card. Also, the entire card is pretty damn good. Dre, man, we're going to get you back to health. You're going to be 100% by the time this card rolls around this weekend because it's in Miami. The atmosphere is great. I think it's been 20 years. Since the UFC was like yeah. in Miami, that's it's wild because you think of Miami and it's such, I, I guess, the crowds are late showing, right? Like that's always been the knock, but it's such a hot city to go to. It has so many things there all the time. Amazing festivals. They have the art thingamajig they have every year. I don't know. I'm not cultured, but they, they have plenty of reasons and why people go to Miami all the time. It's crazy that it took so long for the UFC to go back to a city like that when we've seen them so many other places. I feel like Miami isn't going to have to wait another 20 years after getting this card. No, probably not. I mean, and then, you know, you add on top of that is Florida, which is the mega fuck fest capital of the world. And then you would think that the UFC would already have been there, but apparently it took 20 years for them to come back and they had to put Masvidal on the card, whatever. I mean, I like Miami. It's a great place to visit. I'll never live there. Uh, the weather's always great. There's, you know, there's beaches and use out the greatest strip club of all time. Allegedly, uh, you know, you talk about Art Basel, which was like their big uh, art festival that everybody goes to. You got the Wynwood District. It's nice out there. Don't get me wrong, but it's part of Florida and Florida can kiss my ass. I go. I, I've been to Disney World several times. <laughs> Disney World is a blast, but I just go into Orlando. I go to Disney and that's it. Uh, shout out to my guy, E. Uh, Biggie he lives in Florida. He's a he's a nice guy. Might be a nice reason for us to visit down there sooner or later. Uh, to say what up with E. Maybe have him buy some paintings for his walls since they are bare. You know, just interior decorate his crib. 
So he's not living uh, like he just moved in yesterday. But, yeah, I've, I've never been to Miami, ever. Like, not, not for a second. So at the end of April, I have a layover. I'm dropping my grandma off in Puerto Rico. I have a layover in Miami for seven hours before coming back to Vegas. I'm going to just leave the airport, go to wherever South Beach is. I'm not sure how far that is from the airport. I'm going to get Cuban food, put my feet in the sand in the beach, and then hop back on the flight. Just to say I've been to Miami. I mean, I guess. What, I mean, what you know, yeah, the that? airport's not necessarily. That was King of Diamonds, but King of Diamonds is no longer exists. What? Uh, King of I Diamonds forgot what's there now. Yeah. Uh, I was about to say, it's they might have else. a lunch buffet. All right. The uh, <laughs> I don't know if seven hours is enough time with you getting off the plane. Because you, what you want to do is you want to go to, uh, oh, shit, it's like the downtown area. They got like a strip of all the restaurants where you can eat outside. Yeah. I've Damn. I think Super Bowl week and the other couple times I've been there, I always go there because there's always, there's always some dope food there. So I would suggest if you have the time to go down there, where anybody listening to this podcast, they know what, you know what I'm talking about. Put it in our mentions because I can't remember the name of the place. But there's a bunch of dope restaurants. That's that that's cool. It was right by where the Super Bowl was at. Um, yeah. But other than that, I don't know what you can get done in seven hours. I'm gonna get luck. something done. <laughs> like seven hours is a long time. And so as long as I could leave the airport, catch the Uber, and all my stuff is already like checked in. It's not like I gotta check bags on the way back in. Just gotta get back in in time to run upstairs, go to my flight. Should be a piece of cake. I mean, it's good enough to go somewhere right. for like three hours eat. And I just want to say that I've been in Miami. And it's one of those things where I'm sure I'll go for a fight. I think Top Rank is talking about hosting a fight there um, in the upcoming months. So if there's a Top Rank fight there, I'll probably be in Miami. A ton of my coworkers are in Miami right now covering the this UFC card. And we've been doing too much traveling. It wasn't in, I wasn't trying to go regardless, covering a card or not right now. But it's one of those things where Miami is always talked about, always hyped up. Since you've been there, you've been there Super Bowl week. You had a blast Super Bowl week, by the way, in Miami. Uh, where does it rank in terms of party cities? See, I don't know because I didn't, I didn't go to the club. Like, I, I think I've told this story before. Um, Super Bowl week is an outlier. I can't really count that as going to Miami, right? Like, I'm going to the Super Bowl, and I happened to be in Miami. So everything was ratcheted up. The other time I went, I told the story on this podcast, my brother-in-law spoiled ass, didn't want to go to the club because he was sleepy. And I had, you know, I had a table at Live, and he didn't want to go. And I decided <laughs> not to go. We were going on a cruise the next day, and he was like, I got to save my energy for the cruise. And I was like, you're rotten. You're spoiled rotten. Like, how do you not? Get a table at Live. Like anybody who's ever been to Live, you know how much some tables cost. Like, and I had a table and bottles for free. He didn't want to go, so I I don't know how to rank it. Um, but in terms of like just cities in general, it, it, like again, it's a nice vacation spot. The weather's always nice. I have to say that, but I, I can't rank it with party cities, man. I've been to Atlanta, I've been to New York, I've been to L.A., I've been to Seattle, I've, I've been to Texas, I've been to Houston, Dallas, all them places. But I can't really rank it because. I just didn't get get into it like that. And Super Bowl weekend just don't count because it was crazy out there for that. Super Bowl weekends count because we've been we've been to enough cities for big events that we kind of understand like what it is based on that. Like I look at Miami. Is it Vegas? Probably not, right? Because stuff is spread out. No, 
Like, and it seems less accessible. So it's probably not Vegas. Like, maybe it's Atlanta vibes. I know you're partial to Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, they're similar. They're close to each other. Um, Whether you have a black bike weekend out there, I heard that was wild. That was once upon a time. Yeah, I think that's up in Florida. Daytona. That might be Daytona. I don't remember, but uh, like I, it's it again. It's nice. I just didn't get to experience it. Like I went to a Super Bowl party. That doesn't really count. Like there's a bunch of Super Bowl people there. Like if I went to a regular club, then I could speak on it. But when I went, it was you know, it was it was bougie as hell and rich people. So that's, that don't count. It's not the same thing. You want to be around the the locals, get the real vibe. Yeah, no, I yeah. If I want to call it a party city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I might have to make my way back then. Again, if there's a fight down there, I'll be down there. I can really judge it as a city. It's just, it's one of those places, like many places in Florida, if you grew up on the East Coast and that was like the spot for people to go, not just to retire, because that's always the thing, like old people retire in Florida. But for some reason, like every vacation people planned was like, we're going to Florida whether you were going for Disney World or Universal or whatever the hell else, just go to the beach. Like, everyone would go to Florida. So, like, when growing up, I never did that. It was kind of played out to me. My family's from Puerto Rico, obviously, so I'd go to Puerto Rico every summer. I passed Florida, and I have a beach there all the damn time. Um, at a full crib, whole family, I'd eat great. So I just always bypassed Florida. Uh, but my boy Vince, shout out to him, works for ESPN Social, and he's from Miami, swears by it because that is home for him. So I was like, yo, I'm, I'm going to check it out one of these times and I'm going to get recommendations from everyone. So I make sure I do it right. But it, it seems like everything is a little overpriced and it's really no different than when I was in like in Orlando or my boy uh, Ray spent time in Fort Lauderdale. Like I, I feel like there's other places in Florida that you get these same exact vibes. It's just Miami prices stuff out so crazy. And when I go to Miami, I got to get a Lambo for a day. People have known this on the podcast. What? I got to drive oh my down God. South Beach in a Lambo with no top on it. I'm going to rent it for a day. It doesn't got to be a Lambo. Whatever type of ridiculously expensive car, Ferrari, Lambo, whatever. As long as it's a drop top, I got to spend like $800, rent it for one day, just to drive 10 miles per hour up the beach and to park that shit. Um, park it, give it a valet, keep it in the front. That is my goal. So when I go to Miami, I have to have an extra $800 just for that. No comment. <laughs> I have nothing else to say. It's all right, Dre. I said my insurance is good. I got full coverage. Everything is set up. Everything's set up in line for me to go and rent a Lambo and just drive, drive down South Beach. I want to shoot this shit like a bad boy video in 96. No. Nope. If you're with me, you got to get in a Lambo. If for any reason we're down there together, nah, man. you could call you know shotgun. Yeah, I'll get in with you. You could call shotgun. I'll give you That's shotgun. That's fine. All right. Yeah, as long as you're going to pay for it, you I, ain't going to say you're not going to be in Lambo. Yeah, but, yeah. If I ain't got to pay for it, fine, I'll go. You're ridiculous, but okay. Yeah, they're going to put WrestleMania back in Miami one of these years. It circulates. I feel like Miami's do. If we go to Miami, oh, what? We pull up to Wale Mania in the Lambo. And acting a fool. We, we're going full Cameron Hawkins. Because we got the Lambo. Oh, I'm a honk. Motherfuckers got to come outside to see us. All this shit. Going to look like Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion. Deep cut for everyone listening. Oh, <laughs> if you, if you, if you right. don't know. Uh, yeah, so 
outside of Miami being the city that it is, it is also housing this weekend's UFC pay-per-view, which is why we're talking about it. At the top, it's Alex Pereira, champion 7-1 in mixed martial arts, undefeated in the UFC, pretty much bought in to stop one person, one person only, Israel Adesanya, 23-2. It's a guy who has Adesanya's number. We'll work our way kind of ass backwards through this card because this is the biggest event on the card. Izzy was winning three rounds to one heading into their last bout and fell asleep at the wheel. And Alex's left hand is a thing of legend. It is an MMA equivalent to probably Deontay Wilder's right hand, where it's just, it's found a home for damn near everyone and slept them all. In kickboxing MMA, it's just something special in that left hand. And Izzy felt it full force. He knocks out Israel Adesanya in the fifth round to become champion. And now you look at this fight, he's beaten Izzy three times, I believe. So it's one of those where we look at this, can Israel Sanya survive? Because if it's a points fight, he's proven he can be up on the cards. Can he survive 25 minutes against Pereira and not get knocked out? Do you think he does it? First of all, I'm stunned that Alex Pereira is an underdog in the rematch. Like It's kind of mind-boggling to me. The man's beaten him three times. Yeah. So how could he be the underdog? He should be the favorite, even if it's just slightly. Like, even if it was a minus 125, Perea should be the favorite. So if I'm a betting man, I'm taking Alex Perea because it's a lot of work to stay away from somebody for 25 minutes, as we saw in the last fight. But Adesanya hasn't been able to do it. He's been knocked out twice by this man and lost a points fight the last time. Dog, I don't know. Um... I was talking to uh, WWE's MVP and about this fight. And the one thing he said to me that I thought was that hit home was like, when somebody beats your ass a couple of times, it's kind of just in your head, right? Mm-hmm. Like no matter how hard you hit them and you know, like you haven't been able to knock them out yet. After a couple of rounds, if the shit is happening again, you're discouraged because there's nothing you can do and you know it. It's not like maybe I can do it later. It takes a certain kind of will to be able to continue going if the man that you can't beat is still hanging around after 10 minutes and still coming on strong. And from all indications, Alex Perea is not going to get knocked out in the first or second round. He'll probably be hanging around in the fight. It almost happened at the end of the first round last time. Yeah, but it almost happened, but it didn't. And because of that, and because Adesanya got knocked out, it's going to be in his head. It's going to, just like we just talked about in the boxing show about Anthony Joshua being gun shy. Now, I'm not saying Adesanya is going to be gun shy. This is the first time he got knocked out in the UFC. And now he knows he can be knocked out. And whether you want to say it was an early stoppage or not, he was hurt. And it wasn't, this wasn't an an episode of him falling asleep at the wheel. He got caught by technique. It can happen again. And I think it might happen again. If you're asking me right now, I'm picking Alex Perea to beat Adesanya again. The worst part about this for Adesanya is the Adesanya era is over. If he loses this fight, it's done. It's a wrap. Everything we thought Adesanya was going to be is done. Because now you lost to a man four times. Yeah. Four. That one guy's your kryptonite. Can't, you can't come back from that. And you already proven you can't win at light heavyweight. So where do you go from here? You're in the same spot like somebody like Robert Whitaker was. Yep. So it's tough. Right now, I'm picking out Perea. I think he might stop Israel Adesanya again. I think, I, I think more importantly, Perea's got more confidence heading into this fight than he did the last fight. Because he knows, even though he hadn't seen Adesanya in a while, he knows that's the same guy. Yep. I can knock him out again. 
I don't think anything's stopping him. I don't think anything's stopping him. I'm, I'm going to pick Perea by stoppage. And that's what gave him so much confidence last time. It didn't matter what was on the cards. It didn't matter how tired he was. It didn't matter that he got rocked at the end of the first. He's like, I know I can knock this guy out. It's a matter of time. And he landed the punch and he got him. So it's, it's that reverse thing that MVP says where MVP is like, that guy's always in your head because he has your number. Pereira, he's never going to stop because he has that confidence of, I know I can knock him out. It doesn't matter if there's two seconds left in a fight. He's going to say, one punch, I can knock him out. And history has proven that, right? I'm going to say, because, yeah, sometimes people have your number. We just saw Usman lose twice. It's a wrap for whatever Kamara was going to do, right? We, we saw that. We saw how that played out. I think Izzy might be different. I'm going to say it's going to be one hell of a fight. But Izzy has to just come out and fight a different fight. He has to save his gas tank. He has to be more technical, more defensive. And I say Izzy by decision. I think Izzy gets him four rounds to one. And he's able to just not get knocked out. Because you got to exchange. You, you have to throw and you have to fight. The biggest thing is you can't just let Pereira get ahead of steam and mow you down, which is what he did in the fifth. You can take the punches if you're circling, if you're moving with them, if you're exchanging and throwing at the same time inside the punches. You can't take the punches when your back is against the octagon. You have nowhere to go, and this man has a full head of momentum. So you can't fall into that trap. So I think Izzy manages his, his gas tank a little bit better, his energy level a little bit better. And I think he gets the decision. Give me Adesanya, I don't know, four rounds to one to win and get his title back. Then the question becomes, do you do it again? Because then that's Of course dangerous. you do it again. But let's start. I'm going I'm to talk about it. I have a problem with what you said. You said conserve your gas tank but win a decision. He can't do both. Because Pereira's always going to be coming. He's going to have to fight him off him. Let's also keep in mind, Alice Pereira's fucking huge. Try again. He's not your average 185-pounder. <laughs> Just like if Benavidez against Caleb Plant, he's going to force you to fight. Yeah. So there's no way that Adesanya can sit back and conserve his gas tank for the last few rounds without either giving up the round or just getting knocked out because Pereira's going to be in his face. He's not going to just circle him. He's not going to stand in the middle and wait for him to come to him. He's going to go at Izzy. Mm. So Izzy's going to have to have incredible conditioning. He's going to have to... I don't even know if leg kicks are the answer, but he's going to have to use his jab. He's going to have to circle off and not to the power hand. There's things that Adesanya is going to have to do because he, he fought a great fight last time. He just yeah. lost. Got to threaten with the wrestling know he game a little that bit. Much differently. Yeah, I'm not even worried about that. Like, both of them look like fools on the ground. It is what it is. Yeah, but one guy but, is legit just new to like MMA. You, yeah. you, you got to take your advantages where you can get them, right? Like, it, like Francis Ngannou figured that out against Cyril Gunn. It was like, this guy is pretty damn good on his feet, but he's very brand new to MMA, so I'm not a wrestler by any means. I can wrestle him. And Francis took his ass down. Like, that, that's what he has to do. At least threaten But here's the problem with if that. If you get one round where the you can take him is, down, changes the fight. The problem is, do you remember how much energy Adesanya spent trying to get Pereira down? Yeah, it was a time. Like, he wasted a lot of energy trying to get that giant motherfucker that down. That hurt the gas tank. And because <laughs> of that, there you go. It's yeah. the gas tank. Look, I'm not saying Adesanya can't win this fight. I think Adesanya is a very, very, very good technical striker. 25 minutes is just a long fucking time to stay around, around somebody who is much bigger than you. Adesanya is a thin 185. 
Him yeah. making 205, he ain't even look right. <laughs> Perea goes to 205 tomorrow, and he looks like he can beat anybody. Alex could There's fight a heavyweight big, if he wanted. He's huge. Ginormous. The Alex Perea started cutting weight two and a half weeks before the fight. Now, on one hand, you could say that could be a weight cut problem that could hurt his gas tank. It could hurt his cardio. That other sign you could take advantage of. But if Perea's been doing this for a long time and he doesn't have a bad cut, it's going to be up. It's going to be a, a tough sledding for that. And yes, if Perea loses and Adesanya wins, of course you run it back. Of course you do a third fight. There's no question. Because who do you put in there against Adesanya instead? There's nobody there. No, I know. I, maybe just Alex just wants to move up. I don't, I don't know. It is really just them. I'm sorry nah. if he wins like a couple. No, but the question now is, now is he got to survive 50 minutes? And then it's just like, right. you, you put that double up, and it's just like, well, after 50 minutes, the law of averages say you're going to get caught. So it's, it's, it's a rough sledding. Uh, because he lost the first one, right? So now you got to do it again and again. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, Co-main event, Gilbert Burns and the proclaimed, self-proclaimed, king of Miami, Jorge Masvidal. Jorge Masvidal has mentioned retirement several times in several interviews if he cannot beat Gilbert Burns. That is an odd hill to die on. Because um, Gilbert Burns is no slouch. And he's beaten really good people. And the other people he hasn't beaten, he took them to the limits. Kamaru, Amzat. Like, he's pushed people that he fought to really dig deep. Masvidal saying, if I can't beat him, I shouldn't be here. Like, sir, that, that might not be the case. I, I think a Kobe Covington rematch down the road is, is something lucrative for him. I still think... If Connor hangs around at 170, him versus Masvidal is a very lucrative fight. I'm not sure why Masvidal would consider hanging it up 
whenever you mentioned the word retirement, um, I went from thinking that Burns was going to win to thinking Burns is probably going to choke Jorge out. Because when you go in that mentality, you already got one foot into retirement for me. So I wouldn't be surprised if Jorge laid down the gloves, stupidly, because there's a lot more money to make. Um, but I, I have Gilbert Burns stopping Jorge Masvidal. All right, so let's start with this. Jorge Masvidal proves that the UFC rankings do not matter. Now, I know that we've said it about Colby Covington, right? Because yes. he's getting an immediate title shot, even though he hasn't fought for a year. He's already lost two title opportunities. But Dana White was like, cool, you get to fight Leon Edwards next, even though you haven't done shit. Masvidal's a worst case. Masvidal's not even ranked in the top 10, right? He's not. First and foremost, he's, fight, he's fighting Gilbert Burns, who's ranked number five. Gilbert Burns, who puts Hamayev to the limit. A Kamayev who had ransacked and destroyed everybody that he put in front of him. Gilbert Burns hurt Kamara Usman. Gilbert Burns has beaten Wonder Boy. Gilbert Burns is, has beaten a lot of people. He's one fight away from a title shot. Perhaps. Probably. Masvidal getting, Masvidal getting this opportunity is concerning because, as we know, in MMA, anything can happen. If you keep giving a motherfucker a chance, he could pull a rabbit out of the hat. It ain't like boxing, where usually the more skilled fighter doesn't really get a lucky punch landed on him. MMA's different. Masvidal has a chance. This is some MAGA shit right here. It's like mind-boggling because if Masvidal were to win this fight and for some reason Colby Covington got hurt in training, Masvidal would get the fight against Leon Edwards. 100%. They would skip. They'd skip everybody else. Two-piece in the soda. the rankings don't matter. Dude, rankings don't matter. It doesn't matter. Masvidal's lost three in a row. He's three and five in his last eight. The best opponent he beat you could say it was Ben Askren, but Ben Askren probably lost to Robbie Lawler in the fight before that. Before Masvidal sent him to hell. So if it ain't Ben Askren, it's Nate Diaz. That gets you a title fight? I guess Darren Are you Till. serious right now? Did he knock out Darren Till? Yeah, he knocked out Darren Till, but we knew Darren Till wasn't what he what we thought he was. Masvidal, just like Covington, Masvidal only kind of beats people who already get beat. It's not like he's beating people on a nice little winning streak. Again, you got somebody like Bilal Muhammad sitting there on an eight-fight undefeated streak. And he ain't in the conversation. But Masvidal gets the co-main event and gets the number five ranked fighter? Now, I fully expect Gilbert Burns to submit him. I just think Gilbert Burns is a better wrestler. You already saw that Colby Covington had no problems taking him down. Yeah. He's far better with, with his jiu-jitsu than anybody that Masvidal has faced recently. I fully expect Gilbert Burns to, to win this fight. But it's not outside the realm of possibility that Masvidal lands a punch because he's a good striker. But why the fuck does he keep getting these chances? I don't understand it. The USC, Actually, I do. The UFC will say he sells. And he moves the say needle it all you want, and but he you pushes pay-per-view. He, he, you promote this motherfucker. Like, listen, man. Again, I'm going to say this, and y'all can disagree with me if you want, but I kind of know our audience, and I don't think y'all are going to disagree with me. If Tyron Woodley... I'm going to keep using Tyron Woodley as an example. If Tyron Woodley would have punched Colby Covington in the streets of Miami and broke his jaw, <laughs> they wouldn't be giving Tyron Woodley another fight. They'd shit all over Tyron Woodley for being a thug. Masvidal is pending felonies. This man is getting the number five ranked fighter. And no matter what Dana says, like just I laid it out here, if he wins, he's in line to fight Leon Edwards. What do these? What does Dana White, Jorge Masvidal, and Colby Covington have in common. Donald fucking Trump. 
This is ridiculous, bro. Like, I, look, I know I don't want to get all political on this shit, but there's a reason why certain fighters continue to get these opportunities. The rankings don't fucking matter. That being said, Gilbert Burns should wash him. Dana's going to talk Masvidal into not retiring so he can get another fucking payday. Oh, yeah. Because they promote the shit out of Masvidal. They promote him. They promote him. He sells because they promote him. Motherfuckers just don't sell just because. Like, Nate Diaz is interesting because he had a, a base and he fights like he doesn't give a fuck. Masvidal's kind of the same way. But if you lose four in a row, bro, are you serious? Most people what are, are doing. Use four in, four in a row. Like, you're, you're Jorge Bellator. But no. You know, there, there's certain, definitely certain people, you know, that Dana has favor for. Jorge is, is one of those people. And like you said, there's, there's more money there. If, it, if he loses, maybe the money's not in the Kobe rematch because why would Kobe fight someone probably outside of the top 15? But it, it's money in a Connor, Connor fight, whether Connor wins yes. or loses. Like that, that is a matchup people will tune in for. They'll parade out the BMF belt again. To give Connor a belt to, to wrap up, he'll say, you know, he's a three-belt champ with the BMF belt and call that the real title. And then Connor will probably earn a title shot by beating Jorge Masvidal. So it, it's one of those, like, it is uh, a matter of popularity over rankings, popularity over performance. And that happens when one person dictates who fights for what and when. So it's that's how the the structure of the UFC goes. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. But I don't think he's pulling this out, so we don't got to worry about that. Um, going through the rest of the main card real quick: Rob Font, Adrian Yanez, uh, the fight before then, great matchup of a fight. Yanez is young; this is step up in competition for him. But I, I don't think Rob Font's a gatekeeper yet. I'm going to take Rob Font because of his pressure, because of his hands, to win a a split decision. Ooh, this is tough. Um, uh, I, I mean, I, I'm going to pick Adrian Yanez because I think Yanez has momentum. And I, I don't want to say Rob Fon is washed up by any means. I'm not trying to say he's a, a gatekeeper or anything like that. But I think it's Yanez's time. I think Yanez is a little bit more dynamic. Rob, Rob Fon is a, a terrific boxer. I think Rob, Adrian Yanez is going to get Rob Fon out of there. Give me a second-round finish. Wow. Now, that should be one of the more exciting fights on the card. Next, Kevin Holland. Santiago Ponzinibbio, talking about fun fights. Uh, no defense. No defense in this shit. Uh, <laughs> Ponzinibbio is weird because he's such a good fighter, but he does like so much weird shit that I always kind of discount how good of a fighter he is. Um, he's still very 50-50. Big Mouth is weird, too. Give me Kevin Holland just because. I'm torn, though. I feel like both of these guys could easily lose. Looking at Kevin Holland's last couple fights, he submitted to Means, but lost to Hamza, lost to Wonderboy, lost to Marvin Vittori, lost to Derek Brunson. This man had four losses in a row after that heater of a streak. Uh, he stepped up in the competition and really couldn't handle it. This is a big test for him. So give me Kevin Holland to win this one by decision. All right. I'm, I'm, again, this is another one where the odds are kind of blowing me away. Kevin Holland is like a minus two. 30 favorite. That's way too much. Which I don't... Yeah, it's way too high. Ponzinibbio, uh, he won his last fight, but he lost his last two fights to Jeff Neal, and I can't remember who, by a split decision. Ponzinibbio's good. 
Kevin Holland's a good striker. He doesn't have to worry about Ponzinibbio wrestling him to death because that's clearly Kevin Holland's weakness. But give me Ponzinibbio. If I'm betting, I'm taking Ponzinibbio. And I feel like Kevin Holland is good, but I think they're still overrating him. Like, he's a good striker. We're putting a lot of stock in him knocking out Jacare off his back. That was a long time ago, guys. We got to move on. (laughs) I think Ponzinibbio wins this fight. I think he wins the decision, probably a split decision in his favor. So give me Santiago Ponzinibbio. Yeah, he lost to Michael Pereira. There we go. And right. that was as close a fight as you can get. I was just looking at the punch stats. Yeah. 50% landed uh, by Pereira, 48% landed by Ponzinibbio. Like, you, you're flipping a coin in, in that fight to see who won that one. So, But again, it's going to be a lot of punches thrown. It's going to be a lot of wild shit. So it is going to be a fun fight. Um, Kevin Holland just needs it more, in my opinion. And then opening up the card, Raul Rosas Jr. versus Christian Rodriguez. Rosas is due for a loss because when you're that young, you do not go undefeated. I just don't think this is the one. I think Rosas puts on a show and wins here, but he's going to lose within this next year just because that's how MMA is. Robbie Lawler was once the prodigy. King, that guy went on a losing spree, got cut from the UFC, had to find himself, come back. Then he became a champion. He became who they thought he was. But this game, we've seen the Sage North cuts. We've seen everyone. I mean, you, you look at Max Holloway, who won the title, and he was very young when he won the title. He lost early on. He lost to Connor. He lost to Dustin. Like, it takes a while to find yourself. It's all right to lose when you're this young. He's going to lose eventually. I just don't think this is one. Give me Rosas Jr. by submission. Yeah, I mean, they knew what they were doing. They put Raul Rosas on this card. He's young from the Contender Series. They're trying to showcase him. They're not gonna, they didn't match him up tough. So Rosas is going to win by submission. Um, he's just, he's tall, he's rangy, he's long, his jiu-jitsu is good, he, and he's young, and he doesn't have a care in the world right now. So I think he's just going to easily win this fight. He's not necessarily their Bo Nickel, but he's, he's their, one of their top prospects, and this is a showcase spot. And kind of a squash match, but not really. Now, all that being said, you want to take a guess who's the biggest underdog on the main card? On the entire main card? Yep. We established it should be for a Masvidal. But I'm going to go with... Is it not Christian Rodriguez? No, it's Masvidal. Is According it? to FanDuel, Masvidal is a plus 360. Oh. Yet he's in the co-main event. That's favorable. <laughs> plus 360, like, eh. like, it should be way worse, to be honest. It, I, I, I mean, don't it should look, be. I don't look at that fight and be like, yo, how is he going to win? I, I can't find a way. Outside of a puncher's chance, one lucky punch, a running fucking knee. Which he has. He does, but there's no other way... Pure striking at this point in your career, Burns is better. He's been in there with better strikers yeah. lately and held his own. People had more power than Masvidal. People have slept Masvidal. Like, Usman slept his ass. Like, there's, there's no way I can see Masvidal hanging with Burns. So that's, that's favorable. That I believe. Or, hey, the books they, got it right. They, I mean, they got it right. It's just mind-blowing that... Again, they keep giving this dude a chance. And I mean, <laughs> he sells. What the fuck? Like, the sports books don't give a damn again, about his popularity. They're going to price it at what they want to price it to get a profit 
And that tells you everything you need to know. Yeah, facts. But the thing is, is like, you know, I'm part of this committee that goes Saturday night to go rank these fighters. Why? I might as well just put Masvidal at number two. Like, what the fuck? It doesn't fun. even matter where I put them. They're going to book them where they want to book them. They don't have to adhere to anything that I say or the rest of this ranking committee who I don't know who they are. What they say, it doesn't matter. Masvidal, rank number 11 in the co-main event. I get it. It's Miami, and that's cool and all that shit, but you're just getting the man killed. Oh, yeah. That's all? That's, that's all it is. And then just a couple other fights before we get out of here. Chris Curtis versus Kelvin Gastelum. Um, main fight of the prelims. Chris Curtis is just amazing. He's hilarious. We had him on the show. He's hilarious at media day. For that reason, I'm taking Chris Curtis to win this damn fight. Kevin Gaston's good, but he's one of the guys, he's 31 years old. And I feel, feel like he already hit that wall. Uh, just so many injuries, so many. He hasn't fought in two years because canceled fights. Before then, he lost to Robert Whitaker, Jared Cannonier, uh, Year before Jack Hermanson, he, he hasn't been the same in a long time. Damn, he lost to Izzy before then. Darren Till, he's won one fight in four years. That, that's not good. And I understand this might be a fight where he could win stylistically against Chris Curtis, but he went one fight in four years. I, I just don't see it. Give me Chris Curtis. Yeah, he, he, Kevin Gastelum is one in five in his last six. It's not good at all. Chris Curtis has only lost one fight in his last nine. Nice. So give me Chris Curtis. He's got the momentum. Gaslam's on the back nine of his career. He's a little chinny. Uh, he's not as explosive as he once was. Look, this is a guy who came into the UFC with the Uriah Hall. That's yeah. how long it's been. Yeah, he's only 31, but he was young as shit when he was on the Ultimate Fighter. He's got a lot of mileage on that body. And that war that he had without Adesanya, he really hasn't been the same since then. So give me Chris Curtis by stoppage. I think Kelvin Gaslam is done. And last one, because we're about to talk to Michelle Waterson versus Pinheiro. Um, I'm picking Waterson because we don't pick against our guests. But this is a must-win fight for 37 years old, a true vet in the sport of MMA. This is really going to determine whether she's a gatekeeper or if she's hanging up the gloves. It, fighting until you're 37, I mean, she fought an antemweight outside of the UFC. They still don't have the antemweight division. They could have had it a long time ago. So she's been so good for so long. And, you know, just father time's undefeated. So we'll see if she has one more run in her. But uh, this is going to be a tough test for her. And it's been a while since she's fought. She has so many things going on for her outside of the octagon as well that she can always pursue. This is going to be a tough one for her. But I'm picking her because she's on the show. Yeah. You're going to talk to her, and I'm not. So I'm going to pick against Michelle Watterson, and I love Michelle Watterson. I think she's a sweetheart. I think she's a terrific individual. She's great when you talk about motherhood with her. Like, she's she's just an awesome person. But I think the game is passing her by. And Laura Fernando is, uh, I believe she's 10-1 in her MMA career. Yep. Came off the Contender Series. Um, she had the one win with Randa Marcos, like, upkicked her, got DQ'd. But she's a good striker. She has good jiu-jitsu. And I just think Michelle Waters is kind of just slowing down. Like you just mentioned, she's all, she's nearing 40. And it's not like Waterson is the dynamo that she was when she first came into the UFC as the karate hottie. She's yeah. slowed down a lot. She's been in some wars. She's been in some tough fights. I think this is a, a fight where they're trying to see how good Panero is. I think Panero's going to get the job done. Um, give me Panero by decision. Don't yeah. tell Michelle. <laughs> I will not. I will take Michelle by decision. Again, Panero hasn't fought since... Uh, 2021 either. So 
she's been out for two years. This is one of those where we're really getting them both trying to get back on the horse and, and make waves in the division again, a division that is stacked. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, as promised, we are here with none other than the karate hottie, Michelle Watterson Gomez, joining us from Miami fight week down there, UFC 287 going down this weekend. Make sure you guys check it out. Michelle, thank you for taking some time out of training during fight week. I know it could always be tough. Weight cuts. You still got to get your work in, stay fresh. Thanks so much for uh, taking this little time out to talk to us. Of course. Well, I'm I'm probably not fresh, but it's okay because you guys can't smell me. <laughs> <laughs> You're fresh mentally. That's what <laughs> You're staying sharp. Uh, no, we, we appreciate it so much. At least now you can relax. You're doing the interview while while resting. So that is that is really good. How are you feeling coming into fight week? Because every fight week is different. We talk to a lot of athletes who've been in this, you know, 10, 15 years and they have to train differently. They have to prepare differently with their bodies. How do you feel coming into this fight week? And did you do anything different heading into this fight than maybe you've done in the past? I think I have a really bad habit of going full throttle on everything and anything that I do in life. And I've just had to come to a realization that when it comes down to it, I'm going to go. And so for me, it's really just kind of settling into the zone and letting letting my body take over, trusting myself, trusting my skills, trusting my abilities. But, you know, because it has been so long since I fought, I, um, I've been staying active in the gym, training, uh, doing my strength conditioning, keeping up with my. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, keeping up with my jujitsu, with my MMA. And so I feel just like I've gotten to another level as far as where my mind is as a martial artist. So I'm really excited to perform. You mentioned that. Is that something this year that, that you hope to do is that just be a little more active and because you know, you've had fights fall out last year and then you're pretty much on a one fight per year basis at this point. Do you want to have two, three, four fights this year to just kind of be more mm-hmm. active and get you closer, you know, 
towards that title shot, climbing those ranks. Uh, do you hope that this year goes differently? Yeah, I mean, th- some some of those things happen outside of your control, and it does make it a little harder when you're a mother and an entrepreneur and have so many other things going on. And so those are all the other things that we have to take into consideration. But I do enjoy doing martial arts, and it is a lot easier on on a fighter's body when they stay active because they're not going back and forth between weights. Uh, So, yeah, if it's something that is conducive to our schedule, I would love to stay active this year. Now, I mean, I have three children. They are all teenagers right now. Uh, You're soon to join the club, I believe, with having a teenager. (laughs) Uh, Your daughter has been part of your journey this entire UFC career and before then. What is it like juggling being a mom and an athlete and how much of that goes into your schedule when training, preparing for such a big event like this and fighting on a pay-per-view? Araya is such an amazing child. And it might be because she's been around the game since she's been born that she just knows that this is kind of our lifestyle and the things that we have to do. She gets to see, you know, all the ins and outs of it, the sacrifice that it takes and It definitely, I think, is hitting her a little bit differently now that she's competing herself. Understanding, dang, I can't go to that family function or uh, family's here, but I have to go to practice, really? Well, baby, if you want to be the best, yeah, you do. You got to go. What is it like being on the opposite end of that now? Like where I hear there's a different (laughs) level of nerves for when you're about to fight based on when you have to watch your child fight. Daniel Cormier, I spoke to him about this. He said he gets way more nervous for his son's wrestling competitions than any of his title matches ever. What is it like <laughs> now seeing your daughter compete? I do get nervous for her and I find myself giving her advice that I can probably take myself, you know? So it's kind of cool that it, that it comes full circle and I, you know, I hear the words coming out of my mouth and I and I realize that it's something that we all just as human beings deal with is that, you know, teetering on the line of performing and being excited and not letting the nerves get to you, all those different things. Um, and it's kind of one of those things when you're a parent, as you know, you know, you want the best for your children. And if you could, you would go out there and get all of that stuff for them. But that's not it's not your journey to be had. And so a lot of times you kind of have to sit back and, and let, and watch them experience their own setbacks and, and, and watch them kind of figure out what it takes to be a competitor. And we all compete differently as well. So that's hard too, is like how I compete is not the same way as how she competes. And and same with my husband, he competes completely different. So I can't, I can't just be like, well, you just do it like this. She has to figure that out and I have to let her. Otherwise, I'm robbing her of of, um, that experience. And so that's kind of hard for me as a competitor myself. Was there ever a moment where you were like, because you know how hard it is, you know how hard the grind is. You've reached, you know, the top levels of this sport. And is anytime you look, you'd be like, man, maybe I don't want her to kind of follow in this in my footsteps or this is a very tough thing to go after. Like I hear some people say like, I want you to be a doctor. Like don't be a fighter. Don't compete. <laughs> like, is there any part of you that looks at that and be like, man, I, I wish you would show something different. Or are you just like, no, like this is what, this is what we are. <laughs> this is, this is, this is what we're doing. 
Well, <clears throat> let me get it straight. My daughter is not too interested in fighting. I put her in jujitsu because she needs to learn how to defend herself. And I think that there, I think that everybody in this world should do some type of martial art. She's competitive in gymnastics. And um, I just, I want her to be competitive in something, what, whatever that is. And um, no, I, I wouldn't want to ever shun or keep, keep martial arts, keep fighting away from her if that's something she wanted to do obviously it's dangerous but like I like I tell everybody that asks me I mean it's you you can you can get hit by a bus walking down the street every anything can be dangerous if you look at it that way but 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 life is about fighting like (laughs) in 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 every aspect if, if you're if you're getting through middle school, getting through high school, going to college, trying to fight for a, a job, a position, a goal, it's, it's all about fighting. And if you don't have the grit to, to get through it, if you don't have the 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 savvy, the strategy, the um, the hard knocks to kind of dust yourself off when when the going gets rough, then you're going to have a hard time at life. I, I don't want to shield them from that. I want to prepare them the best way possible so that when life does hit them in the face, they say, all right, come get it and, and, and fight back. No, that's great. Uh, gymnastics, jujitsu, you know, Endeavor just purchased the WWE. She sounds like a future WWE superstar. You combine both of those. I, it just makes sense to me. You know, uh, it's a hop, skip and a jump away. You, next time, Absolutely. You, next time you sit down with Dana, tell him, put in a call to Ari, let, let him know that his next superstar is uh, in your household. No, it's, it's amazing. Now you're like we mentioned, preparing to compete this weekend. It's been a while trying to get back onto the winning track and you look at this fight. Do you feel fresh? Like with the timeout, we hear people saying there's octagon rust and you all this stuff, but so many times an athlete, I talk to athletes in their thirties, you know, upper thirties, forties, like we see Glover Teixeira and they're like, you know what? Having a little time off just made me fresh again. And I feel great. Do you feel that heading into this fight? Like that extra time really rejuvenated you to make a whole nother push. Yeah, it's absolutely true. I I feel like, um, as fighters, we just have a habit of overtraining and, when when you have the chance to step back and kind of remember why you trained in the first place is because you loved it and you love showing up to the gym and learning new moves and and figuring things out and kind of experimenting with different submissions and different combinations it kind of reignites something inside of you the 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 student inside of you and um that's absolutely what it's done for me not just the student though but the the martial artist in me the the, the fighter in me, really, I, I started thinking about all the time. I started thinking about when I started fighting and how much, how much experience I had. And I had like zero, but man, I was, I was excited to get out there and just fight. And because that's what I, that's what it was. And I've kind of gotten back to that. Like, you know what, at the end of the day, it's a fight. Like me and you are in the cage, they close the cage behind us and whoever, whoever dominates wins. Let's just go go in the cage and do that. I could do that. Easy. No overthinking with that. And now you're seeing someone who is newer to the UFC, came through Dana White Contender Series. The, the difference in experience 
is drastic here. Does that give you kind of, I don't know, like a fresh matchup? Cause we see so many people in the top five, top 10. These have been people who have been in your division, who you've been fighting for a decade now. Like that top 10 is pretty solidified. Like with, with the same names, is it great to see a new challenge, a new fighter coming in here and say, you know what? I want to test my skills against someone who's completely new to the roster. Yeah, it'll be really exciting. Um, it, it does kind of remind me of, you know, the beginning of my career. Like I said, just going in there and and having a good time, pushing the pace and 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 breaking their will. So I'm excited. Uh, I know it's an opportunity for her. But at the same time, it's it's my opportunity to show her that there are levels to this game. At the end of the day, when you close your eyes, you're relaxing, you're done with your training. Hopefully for the day when you're sitting there, you're envisioning how stuff goes on Saturday. How do you see the fight playing out for yourself? I see myself buckling down, biting down on my mouthpiece, putting the pressure on and fighting. Like just making it a fight. That's why everyone, that's why everyone loves to watch you. Of course, we're getting the win this weekend, but that's why everyone (laughs) loves to watch you fight. Never a dull moment, never a dull fight. You always bring it. Wishing you the best of luck here in Miami this week. Go out there and get a win. We can't wait to see it this weekend. Everyone again, Michelle Watterson Gomez, amazing career, still going Still always exciting, like I mentioned. Thank you so much, UFC 287 this week, and make sure you all check it out. Michelle, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Anytime. You couldn't have, you couldn't, I'm trying to get this right, because we're in Miami, and it's it's like Miami heat, so you can't have UFC 287 without the karate hottie, right? Right. It's, it's only right. <laughs> It's usually the heat's building. It's the hotties building this weekend. Tell people, listen, you tell them we got, we need merch. That's we need what some, I'm we need some that's type of shirt. We got to get you a Jersey. That's like the Miami heat Jersey, but with like the flame on the H, but it says hottie instead of heat. Hottie. Number two eighty seven, like the Jersey number. What are we doing? UFC Do they need, cut us a check. <laughs> that is a merch opportunity. We appreciate you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Good luck this weekend. (laughs) Have a good one. (laughs) Thanks, everyone. Make sure you guys check out UFC 287. Michelle Watterson fighting on that card. Of course, an amazing main event there. Listen, can Style Bender do it? Can he get his belt back? Can he finally climb that mountain? We'll see. Thank you for listening to the show today. As always, shout out to everyone here at Blue Wire Studios in the Wynn Resort in Las Vegas for holding it down for us. Follow us on all social media platforms at Corner Podcast. You guys know where to find us. Check us out on YouTube as well. For myself, for the old man Andreas Hale who had to get out of here, we appreciate you all. Until next time, we're out.